Hello, and welcome to this episode of the LSU Professional Sales Institute podcast. This is Greg Accardo, and I am your host. My day job is serving as the director of the LSU Professional Sales Institute. We're coming to you today, again, from the E.J. Orso College of Business on the campus of the Louisiana State University. We want to thank our corporate partners who make all of our work here possible. United Rentals, BXS Insurance, the risk and insurance professionals for your team, Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory firm, CMA Technology Solutions, Orso Insurance and Financial Services, and Paycom. Today, our guest will be Mr. Julio Malera. Mr. Malera serves as the president and CEO of the Baton Rouge Business Report 225 Magazine, the 1012 Industry Report, and the Daily Report. If you're a business person in and around the Baton Rouge area, I know you've heard of the work that Julio and his team do at the Baton Rouge Business Report. Julio has a compelling story that is really focused on the area of professional sales and how it has really accelerated his career. Sit back and enjoy this recording and interview from Mr. Julio Malera. So Julio, welcome to the LSU Professional Sales Institute podcast. Uh, glad you could join us today. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. So, Julio, just so we give everyone a little bit about uh, you and your background, uh, tell us about yourself and uh, talk to us about what the things that happened in your life and in your professional career that led you to becoming the president and the CEO of 225 Magazine and Register, the Business Report, and 1012 Industry Report. Well, uh, I was extremely fortunate. Um, I actually graduated from high school in 1982 and uh, born and raised in New Orleans. And um, uh, at the uh, in 1983, when I went to college, I played uh, I played soccer. And at the time, the University of New Orleans used to be Division One soccer. And in the off season, they they helped find us jobs. And so uh, they found me a courier job at a brand new media property called City Business. And uh, later to uh, understand that business journals came on the scene in the United States in the late. Uh, 70s and early 80s um, and so uh, it was just uh, a couple of years as being the courier which was back in those days it was a fancy name for gopher because whatever they needed me to do I would do but I would watch the salespeople. Uh, I watch them interact with clients I watched their ability to be creative I watched how much money they were making and within three years uh, I asked my boss if I could uh, get into sales that I was tired of being a courier, and he uh, he gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. So uh, at the end of my junior year, I started uh, selling. Uh, back in those days, they gave me a yellow page book uh, to prospect uh, the yellow pages, and and I got into selling so much so that in my senior year, uh, I went to class from seven to eleven a.m. in the morning, and um, I sold from eleven to six p.m. Uh, advertising and they had a special uh, uh, projects division and I sold the business journal and it was 13 years later that I climbed the ladder and I became executive vice president of sales for the organization and um, in between that stinto WWL 
uh, came and recruited me away. WWL uh, Radio, which is the second oldest radio station in America, came and, uh, and recruited me away. And after I become the top producer for the Business Journal there, and then um, they uh, they gave me an opportunity in radio, which was totally different from print, the, you know, the broadcasting world. But uh, within three years, not only was I the, the top producer, but I became the first million-dollar producer in the radio industry in Louisiana. And so I fell in love with radio. I fell in love with sales. I uh, fell in love with my clients and, uh, and really became a student of selling. I uh, started both the science and the and the art of, of selling, and so much so that I had a lot of clients asking me to uh, to uh, write a book and encourage me to write a book. So <laughs> at uh, 29, I started writing a book, and by the time I was 30, I wrote my very first book, uh, Do You Have the Time for Success? Uh, and then the following year, I wrote uh, It Only Takes Everything You've Got, which has been translated in four different languages and sold over half a million worldwide. And and um, by the time uh, 1997 came, uh, I was I really uh, we had grown a great sales organization, a great media company. We had uh, 22 titles and a little outdoor billboard company. And, and uh, but I was just a hired hand, and I and I wanted to to uh, have equity. I wanted to be an owner. And so I had opportunities in Miami, Chicago, and Dallas. But I married a woman from Louisiana, and so the next closest thing was Baton Rouge. And I had met uh, the owner, Rolf McAllister, uh, through our national association. So I was coming to give a speech in Baton Rouge to promote my book. And I called him for lunch. And literally um, about a month later, um, after going back and forth a lot of meetings, he decided he was too young to sell. And um, uh, he wanted but he needed a sales manager. I told him I had the best sales job in New Orleans. And so uh, we proceeded to talk another 30 days. And within that time period, uh, we ended up forming a partnership. His father had given him seed money to start business report. And uh, we we got his dad out and uh, he and I became partners in 1997. And here we are 22 years later. Uh, when I got here, we had 26 employees. We we're doing about 3.1 million. And uh, today we're very fortunate. We've got over 62 full-time employees. We generated over uh, 10 million a year, and um, and we've innovated. We, we launched 225. We acquired and register. We in 1998, we were the first business journal in America that launched an e-newsletter called the Daily Report. Um, and uh, we've been very, very fortunate that our innovation and our people have uh, have helped us continue to su succeed through uh, innovating products and being able to cultivate long-term relationships with our clients and customers. So that's a quick little snapshot. There's a lot more in between there, but uh, that's the journey. So, so I can I can attest to you know I'm a uh, daily consumer of the Daily Report, and I'm sure a lot of other business people benefit from a lot of the information and the insights uh, that you guys provide on that. So, uh, I'll I thank you for that. Thank so, you. Looking back in your career in sales, I, I'm, what I'm hearing from you is, is that there's a direct linkage between sales and the success you're experiencing today. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think without a question of a doubt, you know, uh, many times I remind people when I hear people say, well, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not really in sales. Everybody's in sales every day. Every day the husband sells the wife. The wife sells the husband. The parents sell the kids. The kids are constantly trying to sell the parents. The coach sells the football players. The minister sells the congregation. So I just really believe 
nothing in the world happens without a sale. And for our organization, surely uh, we created a little formula. Um, our sales philosophy is real simple. We want to build long-term relationships. We want to give value first and always. Uh, we want to constantly think out of the box, right? We live in a world today where creativity is at a premium and, and innovation is extremely important. And the last point is to really have fun, fun doing it. And uh, we've been extremely fortunate that um, we've had good products, we've had good people, and and uh, and it's all the 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 foundation of that has ha has come from our ability to deliver quality products and 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 sell. Yeah. So if you you know you've been in sales now, media sales for o over twenty years, is that correct? That's correct. So talk about the overall landscape of the business itself and how it's changed with media sales in that time period. Ooh, wow. That's a, that is, uh, that's probably, um, you know, as we, as we all know, every industry is being disrupted. Um, you know, I grew up reading Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins and, you know, over the last decade, you know, Jeffrey Gittimer and all these other, uh, guys. And, and as I look at, you know, uh, how sales has impacted, um, uh, our customers, our economy, our world, uh, uh, certainly media sales has definitely, uh, been right there in the think in the thick of, of major transitions. Um, I, I gotta tell you, uh, technology has been a blessing and a curse, right? Um, because, you know, back in the day we were doing a lot more old school, old school type, uh, prospecting, um, you know, the yellow pages used to be, you know, for example, when it came to prospecting, yellow pages was our primary, uh, tool. Well, today it's more like Google back then you truly had cold calling. There's no longer a cold calling anymore. I mean, you've got, you've got the internet, so you could find something out and, and learn about that client, about that customer. You got LinkedIn, um, you got social media. I mean, you could really learn about a company. You could really learn about executives. And, the, you know, those are just two quick tools that uh, we didn't have back then. I think another uh, important point, you know, is, is that the, I think when I was growing up in sales, it, it, it was considered the age of the salesperson. I think today we're living in the age of the customer. You've got to be customer centric. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot more customization. Uh, I think, uh, from 20 years ago to today, you know, we used to sell more on the product that we had today. It's more about the customer's needs, you know, and how is it that we can customize, um, their, their solutions, uh, whether it be for traffic, whether it be for branding, whether it be for a special event. And so we're doing a lot more customization today than we ever did before. And of course, like I said, uh, technology has really shifted a lot because, you know, customers are more demanding than ever. I mean, I remember going to a seminar uh, about 15, 20 years ago and that, you know, they were talking about how technology is going to make life easier. It's going to give us more time. We're going to be able to play more golf and take more days off. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's actually done just the opposite, you know. Customers well, are more demanding. Salesperson, especially for the salesperson. <laughs> Absolutely, customers uh, 
they want you uh, available 24-7, right? I mean, uh, they, they want answers. They want their solutions. They want their products. Uh, they want access to you 24-7. Um, that is a huge, huge shift from before. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I was reading a book last year and there was a great, there was a great section in the book talking about uh, the, the National Automobile Dealers Association meeting in 2018 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And they interviewed the car dealers to find out uh, what was the biggest problem they were dealing with today in their industry and the biggest problem they were dealing with, their response was dishonest customers. And <laughs> the, 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 the point of that was that the customers now, because of digital disruption, are armed with all of the knowledge that car dealers right. used to have exclusively before the Internet. And it's changed, you know, it's changed their business model tremendously. Yes, I think you hit on a, on, uh, on a great point there. I constantly remind our people, you know, our salespeople, um, that fact with these two others, one, customers are more demanding than ever. They have more, ed they're more educated than ever because they can get information anywhere. Um, they have more options than ever. So you have a lot more competition out there, right? And, and so, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, they're more informed, they're more demanding, um, and they've got more options. So you've got to have your A game every day, regardless of your industry. And that's what we try and do at the local level, because everything that we do is hyper-local, right? Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of, you know, of digital, um, you know, one of the things we've taken a lot of great pride in and won a lot of national awards is the content that we produce. You know, for us, we look at the national news as a commodity. You can get it anywhere, but where do you go to get your local content, whether it be through the business report, you know, and, and we look at ourselves as the Wall Street Journal of Baton Rouge. I mean, if you do business in this community, uh, you, you, you have to read us. Uh, we keep the pulse of the local economy, who's going into business, who's expanding, who's going bankrupt. Um, but it, uh, whether it's that niche or 225 magazine, um, our city mag or in register or our 1012 industry report, within those niches, we make sure that we're delivering original and creative, sometimes compelling content that's local, um, that you can't get anywhere else. And so um, what we're finding now is we have different vehicles, different platforms to deliver. That's the big difference. It's not just through the magazines anymore but it's through the mobile phone. It's not just through the mobile, it could be through the e-newsletter. It's not just through the e-newsletter, it could be through uh, the desktop, or, 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 or it could be through a real life experience. I mean, our events that we do in the community are a big integral part of our overall uh, you know, business models and give people an opportunity to interact live uh, with their customers. So it, that gets to the next point, the next question. Um, in this age of ongoing digital disruption, if it's changed the way you and your teams perform to meet your sales goals, would you say that the one key ingredient to that is content is what's the difference maker for you? For sure. Um, I think content and, and number one, but also Greg, the way we sell is differently. You know, uh, we used to have a, a plethora, we almost like a menu of things. Now, um, again, I go back to use the word, 
we're a lot more customer centric. Not that we weren't before, but because people have different needs and because of the new play of social media and because of retargeting and because of other new applications that we can help people cut through the clutter. I mean, depending on which study you look at, you know, the average American gets bombarded with over 5,000 advertising messages a day. I'm talking online, magazine, direct mail, radio, TV, cable, magazine, print. I mean, you name it. And so between our great content, local content, original content, coupled with our ability to do consultative selling to really do a diagnosis, which which again, as you know, takes time. I mean, you got to really, really, really understand and you got to be a student of your industry. Those have been probably uh, two big differentiators for us. So customer expectations, uh, I'm assuming you would agree, it also includes different delivery channels of that content. For sure, absolutely. Look, <laughs> it's funny you should say that because we've got some people I'd say, I don't want print, I just want digital. Some people say, I don't even want digital, I'm sticking with my print. We got other people that say, hey, uh, who, are, who are a little bit more savvy and they understand that you've gotta have a good integrated mix. There's not one platform that's a silver bullet for you to reach you know, your total target. Um, uh, but if, as you just mentioned, you know, having multiple um, platforms to reach uh, the, these audiences uh, uh, is really, really, really um, important because again, you know, we're not just living in a time um, we that that uh, uh, people have multiple choices here for a lot of different things. Like you know, have a lot of options, but uh, you know, it's also about how do you get the uh, people's attention nowadays? I mean, they have so many things going on at work and in their lives, and so you better have a real good product that's going to give the eyeballs and the attention. Uh, because, with, you know, we're in a very unique business. If you Walmart, all you care about is that customer that's walking in through the door. That's your customer. Anybody walks into the door. In our business, I've got to have real good content so that I have the eyeballs. And then if I don't have the eyeballs, I can't sell the advertising. So, mm -hmm. and it's the same thing for digital. So digital or print or anything else. So I've got to make sure I have readers and I have advertisers in order to make our business model work in our industry. If I asked you to pull out your crystal ball, Julio, what would you see on the horizon for your, uh, your business model and your industry? Uh, I would say uh, that's a great question, first of all, and one that uh, we made a decision 30 months ago uh, at the beginning of 2017 to disrupt ourselves. And what we're seeing, unlike, um, when television came on the scene, they said radio was dead. Okay, that was 60 years ago, Greg, 60 years ago. And what has radio done? It's reinvented itself, right? I mean, you've got to have the ability to innovate in today's marketplace, regardless of your industry, and it's no different in ours. And so what we're seeing is that people are customizing everything. They're customizing their music. They're customizing their entertainment. They're customizing their news, the way they consume uh, media and entertainment. And so um, for us, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly where, where all the puck's going, but I do see that uh, our, our, our niche magazines um, are, are going to survive. They're not going anywhere. Um, you know, when people say print is dead, um, 
you know, I've been expecting the dailies to die, and I do still think that they're in trouble because you're going to have a lot more options. But but there's something uh, um, about uh, about the mobile phone right now. Um, we're working on some new. Uh, we're going to be deploying some new um, uh, some new products uh, that are that are all mobile friendly, uh, but are all content driven. And so, to you know, to kind of answer your question, I think you're going to see even more craziness in terms of the the digital landscape and the ecosystem of what's happening uh, through uh, through content generation and distribution in the digital world together. So, Julio, the other say experience is the best teacher. So, based on your experience that you've had thus far, if you could go back 10, 20 years, what would you do different? Ooh, that's a great question. You know what? Um, in sa- since we're talking about sales, uh, um, I, I would probably, um, I'd say, I would try to enjoy the journey more <laughs> and have more fun. <laughs> I mean, we're living in great times, you know. Um, it, it, it's it's uh, it's almost like the tale of two cities, right? It's the best and the worst of times. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity out there, and I and I wish uh, that back then um, I would have trusted the process a little bit more. You know, I. I I definitely became a student of my industry because I knew that's the only way I was going to grow and be able to bring value. But I think I would have had a little bit more fun, which is one of the reasons that we 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 actually integrated into our, our sales philosophy, having fun, because selling is hard work. Taking care of your customers is hard work. Every day somebody's trying to steal your customer. Every day somebody's trying to take some of your market share. And so while you work hard, one of the things that we've done in our culture is that we also celebrate success and we have fun. And I think earlier in my career, uh, I was so driven um, that I didn't have enough fun. And now that I'm older, I, uh, I guess I just realized that uh, uh, life has its ebbs and flows, sales has its ebbs and flows. And, and so while you're on the journey, uh, you got to have fun. Yep, that's great advice. And also, that's a great way for us to uh, close out this podcast. I can uh, include one more question for you, and that would be this. I mean, what would be your advice for a sales student considering a career in media sales? Oh, I love that question because uh, uh, I've been talking to my daughter uh, about that. Uh, I think you need to explore it. Uh, if you look at a great vast majority of CEOs coming through the sales side of a lot of industries and businesses, and as I mentioned before, uh, the beautiful thing about sales is that it's something that you do every day. You can have the greatest product in the world, you can have the greatest idea, but if but if you don't know how to sell it, uh, it'll go nowhere. And so, uh, I'd love to encourage every student. Uh, in some form or fashion, even if you don't, even if you decide not to go into the sales field full time, to be exposed, because at the end of the day, business is about relationships. Selling is about people. If business was just uh, about the numbers, you'd have a simple math problem. But it's not. It's about people. And so I just think that everybody ought to be exposed to that because whether you're selling your idea or you're selling yourself for a job. You need to understand the science and the art of selling. That's great advice. Great advice. 
Well, Julio, that's, uh, that's all the questions I have for today. I really appreciate you participating in this episode. And uh, hopefully we may uh, be asking you to come on board again in the near future. Hey, listen, it'll be my pleasure. I love selling and I love America, man. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Thank you again for joining us today in our podcast. If you or your company would like to find out about how you can be more involved in the LSU Professional Sales Institute or information on how to recruit our great sales students, you can reach us at business.lsu.edu forward slash PSI. Thank you again and go Tigers.